Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, Danny Kelly joined us for a deep dive into the Premier League, uh, which we did. We looked at all nine games over the weekend. Uh, we also spoke to uh, children's author Rachel Bright. One of her books will be read by Harry Kane tonight yeah. on CBeebies. She talked about how chuffed she was with that and the story behind the book. Andy had quite the tale from the weekend. <laughs> And we had some clips of the week pewter, didn't we? We did. Here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And I must ask you about your corporate day out on yes, Saturday. I, How I was it? Rare, I had a rare experience. I went to I went to the Brighton Spurs game as a, as a guest mm. of Paul Barber, who's a, a regular on the on the show, the chief exec. And uh, yeah, it was a thoroughly good day. Did you celebrate when Spurs scored? I, well, I was in the I was in the director's bit. I was a couple of rows behind <laughs> our chairman, indeed Michael McIntyre, who was there as really? well. With, so, I mean, you, you're very aware of the fact. That's what I call a showbiz lineup: yeah. you, Daniel Levy, and Michael McIntyre. <laughs> good. And I, I sorted agents and various <laughs> other people and the board. And you know, yeah. you come as a guest. I mean, Paul used to work at Tottenham, has got allegiances, but he works for Brighton. So I'm not going to be up on my feet, sort of sticking it to him, am I? <laughs> Did you so do I, anything? I'm, I kind of raised slightly out my seat, <laughs> like I was doing something. Obvious. Seen. Like he just asked someone to pull my finger. I just raised. I mean, we were sitting next to another guy who was a Tottenham fan yeah, as well. So myself and my friend uh, who used to play <laughs> football with Paul back in the day. But anyway, it's, it's a lovely club. It is a great club. It's a great ground. I've not been to the, the new ground before, and I say new ground. It's been there a few years yeah, now, yeah. but I've not been there before. And Tony Broom was was sort of walking around and chatting to people. It's, it's kind of a. It's obviously a big Premier League club, but it's got that. Real nice community feel, that kind of closeness. You can mm. feel that the club, you know, care about the fans. The facilities there it's were a bit fantastic. Like Brentford, isn't it? It's a all the sort of all the staff thing, were lovely. Yeah. It didn't. It just it just had a very nice vibe about it. So uh, nice, impressive that, place. That when Sonny's goal was disallowed, that you I had visions of you celebrate going up, and then the Brighton directors going disallowed. No, I didn't. I sort of <laughs> I, I, I did sort of again raise myself slightly at the chin, go yes, and sort of punch <laughs> the air, but. I knew he was on. I could see he was offside. I was waiting for the flag, really. But uh, uh, no, very nice. I was at the bridge, of course, for Chelsea Wolves. And it was mm. difficult for Wolves, really, without a manager. And it was fairly easy for Chelsea, we have to say. But yeah. I, I did something I've never done. I, I had a go at the ball boys, the multi ball system, three times. Had a go ball, at the ball boys. I the ball came, it kept coming three times, I think it happened at least. The, there were two balls on the pitch. I said, you've got one job! Yeah. <laughs> they're only kids. Yeah, I know, it wasn't. Really, seriously, they're only kids having a pop at the ball boys. You know, they've been told to get the balls back on the pitch quickly. Yeah. They don't know someone else is doing that at the same time. The first saying, there's a lack of consistency well, in the multi-ball system. Very much a lack of consistency. Yeah. But uh, as I often think when I watch Wolves either on telly or live, 
so many of their games. The first half was so tedious. I mean, they, they hardly attacked and Chelsea just kept putting the ball over the bar. It's, yeah. awesome. it's a shame it's not Gaelic football. We'd have been about 10 points ahead. Don <laughs> Havertz scored. But, uh, but now, there, there, was, there, was a, there was weird goings on at the Wigan game, wasn't it? The Wigan-Cardiff game. Yeah. Where it was, uh, there was a feeling that... Um, some of the goals were a bit taller than one end than they were at the didn't other. Sink properly, I think. This was the Is that what situation. Yeah. Wow. You, you know, they put the goals in, and then I think they have to drop down, and it didn't drop down. Two also... inches taller than the than the other side. They thought they would carry on with the game and just get on with it. They but... can make a difference. You know, the, the, yeah. the shot that would have struck the underside of the bar and gone in. Mm. Now comes straight out, doesn't it? So yeah, it does make a difference. Though. I think um, Mark Hudson was it who suggested the uh, the caretaker boss here at Cardiff suggested that he said I did ask if we could just use the one goal for the whole game, <laughs> and that, I thought that's, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Not when you used to play <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. playground, so you just true. have so you'd have a neutral teams kicking into you'd the have same. a neutral goalkeeper, <laughs> yeah. someone with no skin in the that's game. I don't, I don't know, maybe you'd bring in some David Seaman for example, and then he'd <laughs> just come in, hold up. and then you <laughs> you play the two yeah. games. And then you just got David Goal. That would be a nice <laughs> idea. But yeah, okay, we'll put that, run that past Danny Kelly. He's going to be joining us shortly. But it does lead us on to, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're pampered, aren't they, players yeah. at a certain level? They've got an expectation that the goals will be the same size and the nets will be in good nick and, and everything else. But probably down in the lower reaches, folks, where you've played your sport, sometimes the equipment can be a bit shoddy. So whether it was well, I the doubt go- anybody ever measures the goal. No. I mean, <laughs> the so if, goal. You have, if you have turned up for a game and you thought, hang on, that doesn't look right, yeah. or whether it was the markings on the pitch or whether it was the quality of the gear in the cricket bag... Whatever it was, just some beautiful examples of shoddy, shoddy, not even shoddy, shoddy Mm. sporting equipment. Do tell us this afternoon, talksport.com forward slash H&J. Text to 81089 or tweet to TS H&J. I've got a question about uh, Doncaster's Harrison Biggins, who opened his account on Saturday. Is he doing panto this year? Well, I'd like to think so. I've got a a question about someone as well. What was my quiz? (laughs) If only I can find the piece of paper in the right order. Well, while you look for it, I'll just read this ridiculous letter out from a Wolves fan, Kenneth Clibbery, wrote to the Sun. Clibbery? Clibbery. C-L-I, Clibbery. It's like library, but with a C. Okay, that's his, oh, that's his first and last name. Kenneth Clybury. Kenneth Clybury. Is this uh, Clybury? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Anyway, he says, the solution to Wolves' mm. managerial problems is yeah. to give the job to excellent Lionesses coach Serena Wiegmann. Mm. With her at the helm, they'll be back to competing with the best. Oh, yeah, forget about the forthcoming World Cup and the job she's been doing. Oh, yeah. I'm she's sure got... she just want to take the Wolves' Nothing job. better to do <laughs> at the moment, yeah. That's it. Um, Arsenal uh, low knee, uh, currently at Birmingham City, uh, uh, Austin Trusty. Yes. Is he left footed? Yeah. I'd like to think does he's he have a, a sword. I'd like to think I'd like to think he's left footed, old Trusty, but he's been playing well. Anyway, talking. And now it's quite difficult. Mm. When your name's Trusty, it's quite hard to give him a nickname, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But, you know, he Trusto. Can't, can't, Trusto sounds like a clown, doesn't yeah. it? Sort of. Yeah, it doesn't really it work. It doesn't really work, does it? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Let's look back on all nine games that we've uh, witnessed so far. Uh, in the company of uh, Danny Kelly. Good afternoon, Danny. Good afternoon. How are you all doing? Good. Good. Thank you. It's yes, time to re- reveal from the top of the show whose turn it is in the barrel as we look at the game um, Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. And even Adrian, uh, if he was really trying to think laterally, he couldn't have put Arsenal in the barrel, could he? Certainly. So I'm no, afraid no. Uh, it is Liverpool. A very rare visit to the barrel for Jurgen Klopp 
and his uh, and his ever dwindling squad at the moment due to injuries. Um, but yeah, a, a tough old start. We heard Graham Soonis earlier on saying, "No such thing as the seven-year itch. It's just a coincidence." But uh, worrying times from Liverpool's point of view, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy the coincidence argument. Um, I, I did the, uh, because of the game was so late last evening, I did a phone-in afterwards here on Talk Sports um, uh, in the build-up to Trans-Europe Express, and I knew what was going to happen. The first the first three Liverpool callers um, were all blaming the referee. And I think that was, I think it's the, it was a terrible weekend for referees and handballs. And we'll try and unravel um, the handball rule later on, no doubt. But um, look, Liverpool's worst start for a decade, um, and I, don't, I think there's two things feeding into this. And uh, you know, one is um, that there's a hangover from being so close to the quadruple, and the effort they put in last season. They'd be less than human if they'd come off five percent from where they were last season. And secondly, we all know you cannot have the following: the same squad of players and the same manager at a club for any long length of time. Mm. The Pochettino syndrome, we might call it. Either the players have to change or the manager has to go. Um, and Liverpool haven't quite speeded up that process enough. Um, you know, Darwin Nunes has come in, but essentially it's the same group of players for the last three or four years. Um, and I think, I think that they need to, to perhaps speed up that, that moment. But the other thing, of course, let's be honest about it, is that, you know, people are now targeting Trent Alexander. He was definitely at fault with the second goal when he goes out of position. But the first goal, mm. there were four Arsenal players surrounding him. Trent Alexander and Kyle Walker and uh, and Reese of Chelsea, Reese James, they couldn't have defended that. There were just too many of their players. Yeah. Um, so strange things are happening to the team. But I, I don't think it's a coincidence. And I, I started off thinking this is just a, a very good team in very bad form. There may be a bit more to it than that now. When he got injured, though, it did look like the end of the pre-World Cup debate because he looked serious. And then, but then when you saw he's defending, that is the end of the pre-World Cup debate. I just think, you know, I thought he was at fault for both goals. But there you go, definitely. Yeah. For the no, 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 no. The, the second one, I can't imagine how a, a person who's been playing professional football for six years, could think that was a great idea mm. to vacate the penalty spot in that particular break. Um, even if it meant that his skipper, who was, I think, the person he was trying to support, even if it meant Henderson got skinned alive, you'd still be better off staying at home and giving Simicast some cover, you know? What what derails Arsenal? I saw Danny Murphy on Message Day 2 last night saying probably the only thing you could see really is injuries at the moment, a couple of key injuries because it's not the deepest of squads if you compare it to Chelsea's and to City's and, and to other teams. But um, what I mean, you're in an Arsenal household, uh, Danny. What what what, yeah. is, what does the good lady wife say? What does she fear, if anything? <laughs> uh, well, uh, at the moment she's in the UK do, doing a series of high-profile interviews with uh, with actors and literary figures, and mm. so. Um, her her general thing, like like all proper, she's a proper football fan. Hmm. Her general thing is to say this is very nice, isn't it? And then trying to make a list of things that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> um, look, they 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 they're really good. Mm, yeah, yeah. Paul and I have to, you know, of course, I'm, I'm just tasting the ashes in my mouth. But they're yeah, really it's good. sickening, isn't it? But they are really good. They're oh, going to be City's, absolutely shocking. City's main <laughs> challenges. There's no question about it. And they are playing well. What a yeah. start! I mean, the way and they the pressed and pressed, and then you know, the, decisive break. The, the comparison with the team that they they beat yesterday is is clear. Liverpool were a good team who went out and reinforced the team famously in the places where they needed it, at goalkeeper and centre-back. And Arsenal have done exactly the same thing um, by bringing back Saliba and having a proper centre-forward. They've transformed 
a good team and a team with very young players in it as mm. well, don't forget, into a very good team. I mean, hopefully something bad will happen, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there we are. That's the music. You'll hear that music. It's the music, of course, that clears the stage in the Oscars when people doing acceptance speeches have gone on too long. The producer is the arbiter of this. He's the producer, yeah. uh, apparently. And uh, so we move on to the next game. Yeah. And it is uh, Crystal Palace 2... Leeds United won a scoreline, you would say. You wouldn't have fancied at half-time because no, that, Leeds, good. Leeds were right at it in the first half, but a good fight back by uh, Palace. I noticed a few, our old mate James Brown, who was in with us, your former colleague on the NME, of course, uh-huh. Danny, was with us last week. And a few you know, a few dissenting voices around Marsh and, and the sort of football they're playing at the moment. I mean, what, what do you make, first, before we come on to Palace, what do you make of Leeds? Well, first of all, let me say that I have got a great story about my own experience with dysfunctional sporting equipment. Oh. And I'm going to wait for... Well, I'll tell you that in a game where there's nothing to talk about. Let's say Chelsea Wolves. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, this game this game was, was, was a brilliant game of football. I loved the way both teams mm. lined up. And I'll get on to Leeds in a second. Palace started the game with five out-and-out forwards on the pitch. Poor old Ducouré in midfield should be putting in for overtime the amount of covering he was having to do. <laughs> um, and Leeds, you say, started like a house on fire. Leeds are, I, you know, you, you couldn't imagine that they would become more Bielsa than they already yeah. were. Um, but Marsh has decided, no, we're going more Bielsa, more gung-ho, more running, more pressing. With And everything has in football a consequence that they, they you know, I hate when they, people say they can't keep this up for, for an hour and a half, you know, for yeah. two halves, hmm. um, because they're you know, highly trained athletes. But they clearly didn't. And Palace, by playing the ball long and forcing Leeds to run back, as well as pressing forward, doubled the amount of running that Leeds players were doing, and in the end, it, it cost them. But it was a great game of football, I thought, um, yeah. because both sides were so madly intent on winning it. I've only got two takeaways from this game. Jean-Philippe Mateta, surely his song's got to come from The Lion King. Yes, that's true. Thank <laughs> you for that, Eddie. It's really insight. And yes. how did Chelsea lose 3-0 to Leeds? They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Aronson's good, though. I mean, Yeah, they, that was a good run. They do I love him. Blimey, yeah. we didn't get long on Palace Leeds, yeah, did we? That's fair um, no. Time's depressing. Um, the only thing I would say, it's the cerebral uh, uh, pursuits that are uh, firing Crystal Palace. Um, and uh, Eze uh, said, Eberichi Eze said after the game, I've been playing chess on my phone with uh, Michael Elise. Uh, we've played for six months. I think not the same game, surely. <laughs> yeah, on and on, it's gone. So the only thing that could derail Palace now is if there's some skullduggery on the coach and the anal beads are introduced into the Palace chess games. And that, Paul, well, let's just I, hope that doesn't happen. Uh, congratulations. Somebody had to say that phrase well, and it was you. It's, it's a big story you. in the world of chess. I mean, everybody oh, knows huge. that. I don't throw it in willy-nilly for, for shock value. I, it's, look it up. It's all, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's all the rage in the game. I'm sure that won't be happening on the Palace. <laughs> Patrick would not allow that to happen. Anyway, we move on. <laughs> it did sound it's like even cheating in Irish dancing. Did you know that, Danny? You must know that because you're oh, there, you oh. Are you kidding me? It's, uh, it's, it's the lead story, story on yeah, the news. You're kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's all, I thought it might. It's be. all kicked off in Irish dancing. Maybe we'll try and squeeze some of that in later on. Um, let's have a look then at uh, Everton one, Manchester United two. Um, again, yes. uh, Everton taken early. Lovely goal by Awobi. Um, but yeah, all the talk has been of of Cristiano, of course, uh, after that game, and um, again, he probably wouldn't have, you know, hmm. been involved in that, um, but for injury. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, what do you what did you make of his seventh hundredth goal, then, Danny? Well, first of all, you have to make you have to make you have to reel under the size of the actual statistic. Given that he's got over a hundred hmm. goals in international football, 
I mean, you know, we know that Pele got a thousand goals, but a lot of them were in friendly games. Yeah. This bloke's got eight hundred goals mm. in recognisable, competitive, top-level football. Mm. I mean, it's, it, he is the greatest. I'm not saying he's the greatest player of all time, but he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. Mm. Let's not kid ourselves. He is just a phenomenon. On he comes, and the argument goes on. The stats all say that he weakens teams where he starts. Um, that you know, he, he just the way the modern game works now, the pressing, all the rest of it. He's a luxury. Yeah. But what a luxury to have. And you know, right foot, left foot, head, all the rest of it. Um, what was interesting to me was Manchester United. They won the game in the end, you know, reasonably well, and that was good. But he's really having an effect now, Ten Hag. If you think about it, the thought of a Manchester United team, even six months ago, starting without McTominay, Sanchez, Cristiano Ronaldo, Harry Maguire, he's making the big decisions. And the team looks better for it. Casemiro is better than McTominay. Who knew? Mm. Um, (laughs) Maguire's problem... Um, you know, they're not trying to pretend it's not there now. They've got better central defensive partnership. Um, Anthony has, has and Rashford are replacing Sanchez. Uh, he, you know, he costs a lot of money, but that, that's not the answer, is it? You've got the best players out there. They're mm. improving. Rashford looked uh, decent and maybe we'll get into the World Cup squad. I thought it was impressive from United. Uh, my main takeaway, though, was the BT Sunday night team wearing casual wear. Really? I'm mean, surprised they weren't wearing onesies. You not? They could just go straight to bed. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. They wouldn't even have to change oh, before they went to bed. I always do Trans Europe Express in gym jams. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course you do. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We now move on to West Ham 3, Fulham 1. Um, pretty straightforward scoreline by the sound of it, but quite a contentious game with a couple of the goals um, bringing up this whole subject of consistency around handball. Danny, we saw the Gabriel 1 in the Arsenal game uh, not given. We saw a Dan Byrne 1 the day before for Newcastle against Brentford given. We had two in that game that could easily have been chalked out. I think most people feel probably one. I mean, should it, have been. Um, so look, Yes, are we asking too much, asking for consistency then? Um, Look, Andy has seen over a million games of football. Um, I've got a brain the size of a planet and Paul's the smartest person I've ever met. I defy the three of us. I defy the three of us to be able to sensibly discuss the handball rule now because every time they change it, they make it more opaque. Mm. Now, look, all three of West Ham goals were, were mistakes by the referee. Um, that wasn't a penalty. That was a foul by Dawson. But like a rugby union referee looking for an excuse to give the penalty try, he had decided mm. that Pereira was at fault. But in fact, it was a foul by Dawson mm. who um, elbows him as he goes for the, for, to make his run. The two handballs, I don't... I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I'm paid to understand it. I want to understand it. I don't understand mm. what is and is not going to be given as handball now. I mean, the, the phase... The phase excuse for Michel Antonio, sorry, yeah. is handle the ball and goes on to score. Mm. Disallow it. Um, the the Scamica, they couldn't find actual proof except for the spinning of the ball, which yeah. shows it's hit, it's hit the part of They play sweet the Georgia of- Brown at that point when he touches the ball. I don't know if you noticed that. But it's, you know, <laughs> this thing is either intentional or unintentional. That's how it used to be for years. Yeah. And then, then you mm. knew if it was an intentional, if you thought he was definitely going for a handball, or if it just hit him on the hand, it wasn't handball. I don't know why they changed it. I honestly yeah. don't. It was I'm, better sc- before. The one constant we had was if it led to a goal, it would be ruled out. So we, so we looked at Rashford. Yep. You could argue, yeah, it was accidental, but it did lead to a goal, so it should be ruled yes. out. Mm. So on that basis, the Antonio goal is not a goal, is it? No, it's not. They, 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 look, Skamakas, you could argue, was an accident under the old rules. Hmm. Um, it would have stood anyway hmm. um, because he didn't mean to do it. 
Mikel Antonio, bless him, one of my favourite players. He he, he he does it deliberately. It's it's ludicrous that it was allowed to stand. I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, uh, you know, that West Ham might not have won the game anyway because it was an end-to-end sort of game. But the Fulham manager, who, of course, um, after the game, he says to the to the Sky reporter, "What did you think about it?" Because I'm not prepared to talk about it. The Sky reporter says, "No one cares what I think." And so once again, it's essentially swept under the carpet yeah. that because either I mean you asked the question, I'll be expecting too much of them. Either the way the rules are are being written, or yeah. interpreted, or refereed, we're just seeing terrible officiating in the Premier League. I used to be, you know, pretty calm about this. While insisting to get some help with technology, but now I think the standard is dropping. That's the problem. And what's happening is you get the people, the supporters of Liverpool, saying they had to get that penalty. No, you didn't have to get that penalty because what you're trying to do is say, well, they got it at X at, at the Newcastle one. You don't want a bad decision to lead to everyone getting the bad decisions. You want the standard to go up, not well, down. The thing is, they're either yeah. both penalties or they're either neither penalties, but they're certainly not one is and one isn't. That's, yeah. That is the big yeah. And it's very odd because normally if a decision is made like that one day, 24 hours later, mm. you get a, you get a, um, you know, you get a different call and which you can sense is what happened here for yeah. whatever reason. They felt the Dan, Dan Byrne was sawn off and they put it right the following day, which is not the way you should be refereeing or, you know, officiating games. Well, it shows their desperation, in my opinion, Paul. They, you know, you're absolutely right. What you should have is uh, a blindness, if that's the right word, to what's happened in the past. Referee, in the moment, what are you seeing in front of you? Um, but you're right, they're not. They're, they're trying to keep doing this balancing act, partially because, you know, television and radio programs like this keep picking them up on it. Um, but they're not doing themselves any favours with these referees and, and, and the lawmakers. They need to find a law that everybody understands, and yeah. that includes the referees. <clears throat> the biggest problem is Kalina, who sets all these laws effectively, doesn't think there's anything wrong. Everything really? He thinks everything he does is perfect. So, yeah. um, he's not he's got a massive ego. A great, a great deal of humility <laughs> there, so <laughs> I wouldn't expect any changes soon. Uh, Bournemouth 2, Leicester City... One, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we, the new just, the new yeah. owner was in attendance, wasn't he? And mm. we were talking to Todd Macklin on American Sports last week, the Las Vegas Knights uh, NHL team in, in the world of ice hockey, and he said that he's he's been a good owner there, so the omens are good. Um, but it's that difficult thing, and eh? we were talking about it. Gary O'Neill now that position. He's in. Where do they give him the job full time? Does the new owner give him his backing? Yeah, the, the minute they give him the job, you know exactly what's going to happen. Well, that's. Or do, do, yeah. or, it's such a, or do you want your big new shiny manager to come in with the risk that again Bournemouth start leaking goals and don't look like the same team? Mm. I think mean, personally, I hope Gary O'Neill gets a chance. I, I just leave it. Just leave it as is. Yeah, yeah. To keep him on his toes. Is that what you're saying? Well, just, just the players. It's the players. What happens is. Don't the, the players job. want certainty? We're always told Danny players want certainty. They want to know yeah. we're expecting a bit of a bit of uplift from Forest tonight on that basis. But what, what do you think? What do you, what do you think players want? Uh, I, I, I dread to think what the players want. I just don't know. But I, Andy is right. The problem is so many times we've seen this. The caretaker manager does well. You get the so-called managerial bounce. Then they get appointed and the players dust themselves like, oh, well, good, we got him now. He's a mate yeah. of ours as well. This will yeah. all be all right. Mm. They come off They come off their performance 5 or 6% and it, and it becomes, uh, I don't, it becomes much more sludgy. Gary probably deserves the job, mm. but I wouldn't give it to him. I mean, I know that mm. sounds contradictory. Uh, I think you probably need for a group of players who need every single bit of advantage they can get in the Premier League, you probably need 
somebody <clears throat> brand new in there to, to and 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 risk uh, all managerial points are risk risk that will go calamitously wrong with the possibility that it'll go very very well yeah. um how did how did leicester is our barrel quite small well it, i mean we just we didn't want leicester in the barrel once again <laughs> no just basically i know because after three times it's like the jean Rimet trophy they yeah. get to keep the barrel they if they're managers managers three be, times should be careful because <laughs> steve bruce is available yeah <laughs> bruce he could be he could be yeah uh, and he's got the look of pugwash i think with that hat what and a moustache what a spectrum for people like Juventus who are yeah. desperate to sack their manager. Mm. They've got a choice of Thomas Tuchel or Steve Bruce, haven't they? <laughs> well, fair yeah. enough, uh, really. Uh, I thought the, um, yeah. Bill Foley's wife, though, she did that thing that people do when they sign for a club. They put the, they she put put, the shirt on over their clothes. Put, just put the shirt on look, over her clothes. Not a great look, the transfer style look. No, it's true. The shirt on over any item of clothing. I mean, your shirt and if you want to tell us today, listeners, what have you put the shirt on over? We would love to. Have you ever tried to put it over a full suit? Has anybody ever put the shirt on over an overcoat, <laughs> yeah. over your big old crumbie. Uh, Graham Nicholas, I think, summed it up. Uh, he's a seasoned Leicester watcher in the sun. Leicester, he said, the defence is leaking goals. Veteran striker Jamie Vardy's days are numbered. They lack intensity for 90 minutes and cannot hold a lead. Yeah. So that's pretty damning. And also, uh, I said last week, Danny, that Brendan Rodgers doesn't strike me as a man that, that kind of shouts a lot. He seems like he could be reading the shipping forecast. got this lovely, rich tone of voice. Mm. And could he get stuck into the lads? He did say... Mm. I'm not a teacup thrower. He said, I'm not one mm. of those managers that throw. But I thought, who is? Could you find a teacup in a modern, in this world of isotonic drinks? Who has a cup of tea at half? Maybe Jamie Vardy has a cup of tea at half time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because, yeah, they're, they're all probably in there at half time with those strange um, sort of finned things that they put in. What is that about? You know the drinks they have yeah. now? And they've got a kind of double fins like an American car in the 1950s. <laughs> does, yeah. They suck on that. What's that going on? What's that about? I don't know. No it's very... But there's certainly but it, not a cup of Rosie Lee in it, I wouldn't think. But, but this is this is why Alex Ferguson was the greatest manager of all time. He understood change. When teacups went out, he learned to kick football boots at the players and <laughs> cause them further discomfort. He was an innovator. That's, that's right. That's he why, was. That's why he shone for so many years. So, uh, anyway... Um, um, we move on then to uh, Chelsea 3, Wolves nil. A mm. bit of a stroll in the park, Andy, wasn't it? It was, really. Uh, probably the most exciting thing was Diego Costa when he left the pitch. Yeah. I mean, but I'm no, sure that Chelsea played well and Gallagher played really well. And the yeah. idea that he you know, can't play for Chelsea mm. is absolute nonsense. He changed it up, know. didn't he? And he gave players mm. chances. And he talked afterwards, uh, GP, as Andy now calls mm. him, the doctor. He's loving him. He's um, he said, uh, you know, he's, look, everybody wants to play, but I've got a big squad and he, we've got a lot of games. And I think the players he did put in there, uh, even who got little cameos like Brozier, did yeah. well. And Mount's really improved under yeah. him. He was playing so poorly under yeah. Tuchel, so you know, it's been a noticeable improvement. Well, I'm very glad that Andy sounds a bit happier about Chelsea. That's good. <laughs> because, uh, the first, first few of these shows, I wasn't sure he, um, I was going to be able to survive that, that level of negativity. But it was very it's good to hear he's doing well. Very briefly, the sporting equipment then, because this is the bit where I think oh, yeah, 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 yeah. we know Chelsea won at a canter. Um, yeah, I was playing on Hackney Marshes um, in my customary defensive role. Um, and in failing to, to stop a goal, I crashed into the goal, the gut frame of the goal. Yeah. Took the notice of it. I'm covered in mud anyway. That evening, I'm out with my then girlfriend, and she looks down at my shirt and says, What's going on with your sock? And there was a, my sock was bright red with blood. Wow. And I said, Oh, I, I had a. I, and I pulled up my trouser leg, and I hadn't noticed, I don't suppose I'd had a proper shower, that I'd, um, I'd obviously caught my knee on the hooks Ooh. that um, that hold the goal net. 
um, to oh. the to the to the to the actual thing, really, and raised a very very big. I'm feeling the stitches now. <laughs> big cut in my leg. Now, bear in mind there was mud involved here as well. She was a nurse, and so nurses being where they are she got the tip of her little finger and mm. drove it into my 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 wound Oof. right down to the kneecap said that's that's filthy she grabbed me by the ear we were in a pub in hackney she grabbed me by the ear and took me to hobbleton <laughs> hospital to get stitches <laughs> the idea of a relationship sure, where your partner it? grabs you by the ear like you dennis the menace oh I love the idea that you thought it was I a remember great idea it distinctly. To, go, to go on a date caked in mud and blood without yeah. showering. That's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> you, you're, a, you're a right charmer. Quick spray of links or whatever the, whatever the equivalent was. The old spice. Bit of high karate. Bit of high karate, Danny. Doused himself in high karate and straight up the boozer. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'll show you the scar next time I see you all. <laughs> Our own Alex Crook says it's Lopetegui. It's it, it looks like it might happen. It might not happen in time for their next game for Wolves. So we will keep yeah. an eye on that one for you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We move on to Newcastle five, Brentford one. Mm. Very upset, Thomas Frank. Very worrying result for Brentford, I think. Yeah, I mean, wait, look, maybe we'll start with them because obviously the focus has been on Newcastle. We will come on to that. I mean, how how concerned should Brentford fans be? Just a blip, mm. are we saying, Danny, or, or or would you be concerned? Well, they've had, they've had a good start. Um, uh, they got a, a lucky penalty. Otherwise, this could have been an even worse looking result for them. I'd be concerned. Um, I think I think that the defence seems to be finding new ways to concede goals. Now, you could argue. Get all the mistakes out of the way in one game, um, but that will not have done their confidence any good at all. They, uh, there was an own goal that could have gone in uh, you know, for anybody, but the two of the other goals were the kind of mistakes that you think, okay, if they can do that once, they can do it again. Um, so, despite their good start, I think they need to be on really on their metal now um, about about where they're going with this team. I would say as well, um, it's an interesting game from the point of view of. All right, it was over after an hour, give or take. That meant in the last 27 minutes, there were nine substitutions. And I knew this would happen, that people would start, the teams who were ahead Hmm. would start to use it as a knocking about training exercise. The teams who were behind would introduce players to shore up an already losing position. Um, It wasn't a great spectacle for that last half hour for the fans, made made worse, I think, by the endless changes in personnel. It's very difficult, though, for the managers. You know, before Saturday, there were 11 games to the World Cup, you know, it's Mm -hmm. twice a week. It's it's relentless, you know, so not easy. Uh, Uncharacteristic error from David David Rea, and uh, you just... A couple. uh, (laughs) Yeah, but you just think, when there's no way out, just boot it. What's wrong with just booting it away, honestly? It drives you mad, doesn't it? Well, they've, they've they've been they've now taken. I mean, why wouldn't you? If you were the player, the mantra that oh the manager the manager's told me to play like this, hmm. and the managers never blame the players when this goes wrong. Now, of course, you're going to do it. There's absolutely no accountability. You can just pony about. I think that's the correct phrase out of the coaching manual. <laughs> pony about in your six yard box, give away the goal, and say, "Well, the manager wants me to do that." Hmm. And you'll recognise this, and both of you will recognise this chat from when England's cricket teams. Um, all they would say was, we've got to play a natural game. And everybody, England were all out for 97. Oh, yeah, we're playing a natural game. <laughs> um, no accountability. Mm. No, it's true. What can Newcastle achieve this year? This is the question. I've got, we'll be in top seven shake-up. Top seven. Nothing better than that. Well, with, I'm saying with reinforcements be, no, in I said they'll be in the shake-up. Okay. I mean, who knows? It's a very unpredictable. Other than City and Arsenal, they look like they'll be first and second. The next five, you know, Chelsea, Spurs, uh, United, yeah, 
Newcastle, I think. Their buying has been pretty pretty Mm, canny, isn't it, so far, Dan? Well, okay, blimey, there we are. Not in the shake-up for top seven, Liverpool, says Andy. It's going to be difficult, isn't it? They're going to have to improve a lot. You, you can see here that the, the, you know, the financial stratification or whatever you want to call it, but Eddie Howe's had to deal with you know, the influx of new players. Newcastle's bench, I, I hesitate to say this, but Newcastle's bench would have beaten Brentford yesterday mm. uh, or this weekend, and, and he's doing fantastically well. And, of course, in Bruno Guimaraes, they've got what you need in the Premier League, a player who's prepared to work hard, but at the right moments... Just does brilliant things. Yeah, he's, he's a real bargain. bargain a good good yeah. recruitment and the job Eddie Howe's doing. You know, Elmer was a bit flaky. He'd have a good game and a bad game. He seems to be having and more Trippier, good games. I, I think his delivery yeah. is still right up there. I oh, can't yeah. believe that he isn't going to be yeah. part of the World Cup. Let's see if they buy well in January, he wouldn't rule out top four. Uh, mm. Anyway, we yeah, move that'll on. take some doing with the other clubs. Around, you would think. Yeah. Uh, we might have time to tell stories about um, shoddy equipment in this section as well. Manchester City four, Southampton. Nil. Um, I don't think anybody expected anything different, really. Maybe including the Southampton you, players. Have a dry spell. Sixty-four minutes. Yeah, he missed yeah. one, yeah. didn't he? Useless. And, and Useless. He's got to the point where Pep starts having a sort of joke pop at him for missing the in the post when he should score. Uh, he's mm. powered by awful. I don't know if you're aware of this, Danny. <laughs> a new documentary about him moving from City to Dortmund tells uh, how, um, in the only way that. The, the two words that always come out in a tabloid newspaper, people don't just eat their dinner, they tuck into their dinner. Yeah. And when they eat, yeah. so they don't just eat something, they feast on it. Yeah. And apparently, <laughs> according to The Sun today, um, Erling Haaland feasts on heart and liver, superfoods rich in vitamin B, iron, phosphorus and copper and magnesium. He's a big fan of the offal. Yeah. Uh, we can't we can't seem to make up our mind whether he's some kind of robot mm. or some kind of physical monster. This seems to be the, the balance <laughs> yeah. we're trying to make. Um, I mean, and of course, he's also a smokescreen um, for Phil Foden and how well he's playing. He's is he yeah. second or third now in the goal scoring charts, but seven in the Premier League so far this season. Obviously, miles behind um, his teammate, but clearly um, benefiting hugely from his presence. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the, the t- my take on this is this was a decent result for Southampton, wasn't it? Because they would have gone <laughs> expecting six. Yeah, it's it's true. Quite, it could have been quite really. possibly. Zuno had a great game, didn't he? Could have been eight. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You just want to see that City Foden for England next month. Month, you really do because we haven't seen you it do. so far. Yeah, know. the um, look if, if he, he has had injury problems in the past, Hall, and, and you'd think if he were to get injured, look, it wouldn't derail City. But we've seen the added extra dimension that, that he's given them, and they wouldn't have Gabriel Jesus now to to fall mm. back on. They've got players who can score goals, but they haven't got anybody mm. like that. The whole system now, uh, the who way has? they're playing. I mean, exactly. So yeah. look, you, you shouldn't rule out. That from an Arsenal fan's point of view, they'll be hoping that he, maybe he picks up a bit of a knock and misses a few weeks, and they can uh, they can stretch out their lead. I don't know, but you know that it's could. True. Do you think it could? What do you think? Is that? Do you think they could cope without him, guys? Yeah, I do. He'll 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 get a knock just before the World Cup, but he's got a whole five weeks to recover from it. Hasn't <laughs> yeah, he? yeah, of course he will. And last week, he had, yeah, he'll get a slight little tweak of the hamstring. And let's finish then. Last on match of that game, I was at. I actually quite enjoyed it. But um, apparently nobody else did. Certainly the Brighton fans. Brighton. Nils, I enjoyed it. Yeah, did he play three five two instead of three uh, four? Did. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. played Basuma in midfield. You, you've been he, he changed that, that up later yeah. on. They did look a lot more yeah. solid. And um, 
I'm not sure Brighton did enough. I was, I was messaging back with a Brighton fan who was there who kind of felt the same thing, that really Hugo Lloris had to save a couple of pot shots from distance. The rest of the time, the defence did their job. And I'm not sure Deserby was right when he said there was only one team that was trying in that match and, and you know, should have won that game. Because I'm not altogether sure Brighton did quite enough to get all three points. They certainly got enough mm. for a point if they had a bit more luck, but not all three, certainly. No, I mean, I complain when Spurs play very, very deep, but they fell back up. When you're defending a goal rather than trying to get the first goal, then there's a slight excuse. Um, And we don't know how deep the effect of the Spurs players were. Certainly the manager was um, by the death of his his colleague, uh, Gian Piero Ventroni. And Spurs looked to me to be trying an extra leg, as they say, uh, to make sure they, they, they played proper tribute. Um, and Brighton returned to type a little bit, didn't they? Fantastically intricate passing. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm prepared to do one cliche because it's nearly the top of the hour. If Kane had been on Brighton's side, they would have won. Um, yeah. But 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 he plays for Spurs, and um, it was an important win for Spurs as well because that bizarrely pulled. That's their best performance of the season, and they weren't they weren't great or anything, but no. they. they they were improved. Sure. It was a great moment in match of the day, though, when they cut from Jonathan Pierce saying, Brighton fans will tell you Gareth Southgate should take Duncan, and then they cut to the next bit of action, which is Harry Kane completely roasting him for yeah. a shot. Although I thought <laughs> Duncan <laughs> Webster, they're no, still they, very they're effective. Decent. And Duncan cut decent. out a certain goal that, well, uh, yeah. that Son should have scored. Very quickly before we leave that, um, uh, Enoch Mwapu, that's terrible news uh, today that oh. such a young player is going to have to... And I did ask, yeah, I was sad, talking to someone yeah. at Brighton the other day, they said, oh, is he injured? I had no idea that, what the situation. No. Nobody did. And I think they're all in shock at Brighton and really sad for a him. Ter- a terrible waste of talent. Yeah, what a shame for him. And yeah. We can only wish him luck in whatever he chooses to do yeah. next. He know? says he's going to stay yeah, in the game. he's going to stay in the game, hopefully. So he let's hope he, he will. So, well, Danny, that's it. I think we got there. Um, we did. We had a new, uh, somebody else in the barrel for a change. I don't think Liverpool might be making many visits there. Who knows? It's a long season. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. And I was listening to uh, mm. Dance yesterday afternoon with um, Perry Groves building up to uh, the game, and they had a little, he had a little charity uh, bet, did Perry. Yeah. He went Martinelli to score. He fancied him up against um, Trent, and he yeah. got that right. He yeah, fancied over yeah. 2.5 goals, and he got that right, and he fancied an Arsenal win. So uh, some charities are doing well out of talk sport, just sadly not... Not the, the attitude, attitude foundation, foundation and our shoddy what can you do? guesswork, but well done to Perry. That was uh, that was good for him. Yeah, Friday night. Uh, you know, I always struggle with technology. I'm I do Friday. struggle. I do struggle with yeah. apps and technology and all mm-hmm. this. And uh, I tried to order. <laughs> must be the only person that could do this. I tried to order two burgers from a local uh, restaurant in oh, Chiswick. Yeah. Was it on one of the the well known foodie apps? Well known food food app. Yeah. Oh yeah. And for some reason, I ended up ordering it twice. Okay. Once without putting my address in properly and just put Chiswick. And the other, I put my address in properly. That's a bit tough if you're on that push bike or whatever, <laughs> riding round. So I, I realised the minute door. I did it, I realised I did it. I tried to phone them, no, no answer, no answer. Try to contact the company, no. And then eventually, I, realized <laughs> I couldn't stop it. Both were coming, so I thought, well, well, well were, were they coming? One was just going to Chiswick, yeah, which yeah, is exactly. quite a big place. Neither turned up in the end. <laughs> 64 quid. I must be the only person who can spend 64 quid and get no burgers. Fantastic. But the, weight's, the weight's dropping off you. You should, all, you should order all your food online. <laughs> the black foamy. You're being a pair he of 32 me, strides again, too. He said too. to me, I'm in XX Row. I said, where was he, he, the, I finally got hold of the driver and he said, I'm in this road. I said, why? Why are you in this road? That's not what. That's yeah. not the address. That's not where I live. Well, and he just got all annoyed with me. I ended up swearing with him. And that was the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a disaster. There we are. And I was hungry. Little insight into Andy's world. You were hangry. That's what I was you very were. Angry. Incredibly hangry. Also hangry was this bloke who Don't, wrote to the so, star. Sorry. Um, yeah. Why had you done wrong? I mean, the thing is, to get on these apps, you all, you've already given you your address. You've already basically you have to sign up to these apps and know. leave your credit card details. Yeah. In. So how did they manage to get the wrong they address? Just took the order I, I it didn't I don't know it just said Chiswick on it so it could be anywhere I said to them what why on earth would you deliver this when you had nowhere to deliver it to what didn't didn't you think this is a bit odd that there's no actual address wow. you know but so I like I, the way you go on the attack when you've cocked up it's marvellous wasn't my fault you've got to have a absolutely mad wasn't with... your fault no not really you just put the wrong address in though you well, said. there was no way of stopping it there was no way of <laughs> preventing it from not coming even though it didn't come at all most people a have a completely normal Friday oh, no, night they so order depressed. a takeaway Andy always turns into a swearing match with some poor bloke on minimum wage on a bike <laughs> trying to find out well, that when I had the problem with the sewage reflux oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's not go into that eh? that was a disaster but uh, yeah okay <laughs> two o'clock arguing with this bloke at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> I don't want to know about Andy Jacobs' sewage <laughs> reflux. One of the worst bands I've ever, ever had on the old Grey Whistle test, they as far great. as I remember. Yeah. And uh, this bloke wrote to the star. Oh, and yeah. He said, uh, just when you think things couldn't get worse, we get three hours of women's football on a main channel. And he signs it NG, which obviously stands for Neanderthal Guy. Yeah. Honestly, people are funny, aren't they? What, what a lot of people... I mean, I don't know. I didn't... I, I watched uh, Tony Adams back the other night, and it was pretty obvious from week one that he was so bad. He was very entertaining. And the last thing... The last mm. time I looked at Strictly Come Dancing, it kind of is an entertainment show. Oh, he's terrible. Isn't it? It's an entertainment show. It is, isn't? but it's also Are a dancing show. Are you more entertained show? by someone being a fair middling dancer? Are you more entertained by Tony getting down to his... No, uh, it's, it's, to he's his only speedos? getting through because of Arsenal fans... 
and the fact that he's this no. year's John Sergeant and the British public like well, they annoying like, the they, they root for an underdog but it was yeah. really clear from but it's you absolutely know dire. TV executives they have meeting after meeting about what they should be putting out and scheduling and the, mm. what the public want all the public really want is Tony Adams going down to his boxes on a Saturday evening 8.3 million people uh, yeah. watched the other night I know. so uh, He's got the pulling power. He has. It's but, where it yeah. leads him. It's where it leads him. Well, it leads this. him to leaving sort of uh, in about week eight when they can no longer really justify. Do you think being he, when it gets down to the final? But a lot of It'd people be like John Sargent. It will. He'll go quite a long way. You know. But you watch it every week, don't you, Andy? I do now. Yeah. Okay. I don't like it really. You but, don't like it. Well, not particularly. It's okay. all right. Do you, you favour the dancer over the novelty act, or, or vice versa? <laughs> I, mean. I, I don't. No, I favour the good dancers. I don't. You're telling I don't us like any of it really. Rhythm, but my you? wife likes it. And I feel like when I watch so much sport, I ought to okay. sacrifice myself. So it's you like to settle me, down in front of Strictly. Two or three burgers, which are somewhere <laughs> roughly in the vicinity of where you live. <laughs> they could put trackers on them. Oh, that's so you you're four roads away. Just come I just on. can't get on with these apps. <laughs> Everybody else, my, if my son wants a well-known, uh, that's why I always go with a black cab, because if, if my son wants one of those things, he does it, it comes, that's it. Yeah. I do, I just sit there. Then the driver turns, I always get the driver turns down, turns me down. So like they're going to come and then they don't. And yeah. then you know, I just think, oh, what is this? Have you ever thought and um, it, that it's you? Of course it's me. <laughs> but I'm very unlucky because I am from the last age before computers. Really? Everybody Fantastic. else following me grew up with them and, and understands. So you're them. still catching up. Well, I don't think I'm ever going to catch up really at this okay. stage. Well, you, it seems that's your dire unlikely. starvation if you don't. I'd be more angry <laughs> paying sixteen likely. quid for a burger, says Ian in Kent. Uh, well, said, yeah, that I can be the going rate round his way. I would think. I suppose yeah. by the time, yeah, I don't know why it came to that. But once he's, he's put got, the gold leaf flakes on it, Ian. he's got a point, really. Yeah, <laughs> oh, don't start him off. Don't get Ian. Don't start him moaning about the prices of burgers he doesn't. It's much get. cheaper if you eat it there. That's for sure. We'll move on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Our producer came in who does understand the technology, and Andy was showing him on his phone that he felt he hadn't done anything wrong the other night. Then proceeded to press the button and order two more burgers. <laughs> Well, that's going to get a shock when they turn up this afternoon. The, the producer was on hand to get him out of his basket and stop him doing it, but he holds his phone like an unexploded bomb. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, this evening at 6.50 on CBeebies, they may see a bit of a spike in audience. Uh, mm. Not necessarily the target audience as well, maybe sort of 50-something our bit in Tottenham and England fans will be tuning in. It's quite late for kids, isn't it? What, 6.50? 6.50, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's only, you know, it's for young children. I mean, you turn it into an incident now, eh? No, not really. She'll be on earlier, should it? I have to say so. Quite contentious. <laughs> anyway, that's not the point. The no. point is that uh, Harry Kane will be reading uh, on CBeebies Bedtime Stories, The Lion Inside. And we're delighted to say uh, the author, in this case the co-author of the book, should tell us more. Rachel Bright joins us. Hi, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. pleasure. You, I know you often do write uh, the, the words and supply the pictures, but in this case you work with a co-author on this book. Is that right? That's true. I, I do the words and I work with an amazing illustrator called Jim Field who lives over in, in Paris um, and he does the pictures. And we've done six books in this collection together so far. Oh, fantastic. It's really a nice story. There's a YouTube version, which I'm sure you're aware of, and uh, it's read out and you see all the the illustrations. And it is a lovely story with a good message, I think. Thank you. Uh, I really wanted to write about the fact that we all have this lion and mouse inside and, and even those of us that are doing really, really well still feel that mouse sometimes. And 
I think for kids in particular, but also for big kids, it's good to remember that, that um, we all have to face our fears every day, really. Yeah. I mean, how did the approach come out? How did you find out that they were considering doing this with Harry Kane? Do you know what? I, I found out this morning that it was happening. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> so this is a really exciting Monday for me. Um, I did. I have had lots of my books read on CBeebies Bedtime Stories before, and I feel very lucky for that, but I literally couldn't think of anybody more perfect for this story he's kind of the embodiment of uh finding your line inside so i'm really really thrilled yeah yeah you'll be aware there was i mean the old the phrase the mouse that roared is an old one but there was an old film back in the british film back in the sort of late 50s early 60s the, were you aware of that no i wasn't actually yeah. so maybe it's somewhere deep in my psyche i don't know but it's, I... it's not about that it's completely <laughs> it's, a kind, it's a kind of ban the bomb film it's peter sellers uh, okay. and stuff but as a phrase it just when i when i saw that and i and i listened to the story because it is about a little mouse that that wants to learn to roar feels a bit inadequate isn't it and then it, and we won't exactly. give the ending away no spoiler alerts no, obviously. No, no, <laughs> yeah that. save that for the bedtime stories yeah. but um but yeah it's about his perception that he has to change to find that roar and actually it's it's kind of a twist in the tail so yeah it's about resilience and courage and empathy but also just you know when you feel small you can find that line inside that's what I write in the front of the book whenever I sign it for children I write may you always find your line inside because you know we're still learning to do that even when we're grown up aren't we no, yeah I'm still waiting yeah <laughs> <laughs> So where are you? Are you weighing in on this? Um, Six fifty, a bit late for CBeebies? I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm out of touch. My kids, like Andy's, are much older. So, well, this might be controversial. I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, so six fifty. We're, we're definitely all still up in our house. Yeah, very um, good. So, uh, for sure tonight. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. What time were the Jacobs kids going to bed back in the day, Andy? Oh, yeah, you put them to bed about five o'clock, were you? 35 years ago, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time. You can't remember. Yeah, they're... You've had quite the life, Rachel, haven't you? I was reading a little sort of biog. Here you are as a successful mm. author of children's books, but your ex-cabin crew for Virgin, you've you done do. all manner of different sorts of things. You often wonder, how do I become a, a children's author? But I suppose there's no, there's no one tried and tested route to doing something like, something like that, is there, really? Absolutely. I mean, I've been quite lucky in having some really amazing jobs along the way, but I think loads of writers have worked all kinds of jobs on their way to writing full time. And certainly Cabin Crew is an amazing one. I travelled all over the world. You know, I had a gardening business. I got taken hostage by Daleks and Doctor Who one time as a TV extra. So I've, I've definitely I've definitely done a few things, but it all feeds into the life experience that helps you write stories, really. Yeah. And this is what I always wanted to do. This is my dream dream job so I, so I still have to pinch myself that I'm doing it every day now it'd be interesting to see how Harry reads it because you know he says he reads to his kids which is a lovely thing to do we should all do that of course and he's a wonderful footballer but you know it's not easy reading something well, he like said, this he tweeted he's more nervous doing yeah. this than anything he'd ever done before oh, oh well that's kind of that's so lovely to hear because actually that's showing vulnerability as well it's kind of what the story is all about and mm. I mean, you don't get to where he is without facing your, your kind of fears every single day and like this I think we're all kind of at our best when we're out of our comfort zone a little bit because you're pushing like who you are but I'm sure he's done a brilliant job I mean I, I take this book into schools and festivals and libraries and, and that's one of my favorite bits actually is reading it with the kids and there's lots of bits to join in so um so yeah and the fact that he reads it with his kids as a dad you know is just the best compliment really I mean I don't take that lightly bedtime is a quite a precious time for lots of parents mm. and 
So I want everyone who's picked up my book to think, well, I'm glad I did that because there's lots to choose from out there. So. And he's launched his own foundation today uh, in line with, uh, well, Mental Health Day. And uh, and a lot of it feeds into the sort of themes you were talking about with your book. But, um, I mean, finally, there are listeners out there, there may be listeners out there who feel they have a, a children's book in them, have had ideas, maybe made up stories with their kids. I mean, would you... Would you? I don't want to give you unnecessary competition. <laughs> would, you, would you have any tips? I mean, for writing for children, because people get them, they think it's easy. Um, because, well, it must be easier than writing for adults, but it, it isn't, is it? it? It's actually, you know, it's really challenging to get a whole story into such a small package that's really, you know, sort of engaging, and also that will withstand, you know, many, many readings, hopefully at bedtime, you know. But I would say anyone who feels they've got that inside them, just do it. You know, you get one life. You've got to go for these things. Write write down your ideas every day. Show them to as many people as possible. And you just never know. I mean, when I was flying the skies as cabin crew, I could never have dreamt that I'd be 30 books in now. But, you know, amazing things do happen. You, you've got to stick with it and find your line inside. Yeah, nice yeah. one. Going back to where we came in. Thank you very much, Rachel. Good to talk. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy it tonight when you sit around the TV. I hope the kids enjoy it as well. Thank you so much. Take care. You might adapt it, make it the three lions inside. Hey, there we are. That's a, that's the next book. Rachel Field there, the uh, the co-author of the book. You're going to be uh, hearing Harry Kane uh, read this evening on uh, C. Yeah, well, there's going to be people sitting there in their Tottenham shirts watching it. <laughs> go, go on, H. <laughs> read the kid's story. He can make no difference to that at all. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, as we said before, on Mondays we bring you Clips of the Week pewter. They're, they're not the kind of gold you get every Christmas Eve. They are just some clips from back in 2010. A bit of a sort of time capsule yeah. of clips of varying quality, but generally they've been quite good. I like them. Yeah, they just rocked up on some old mini discs and, uh, and well, here they are. We haven't heard them since 2010, so it's all going to be news to us. Where do we start, Ed? We begin with Alan Brazil uh, welcoming you to another breakfast show. Five minutes past seven o'clock. Warm morning and welcome to the Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast. <laughs> or was warm, it a warm morning? A very warm, warm morning. <laughs> Surely it's a warm welcome. Yeah, I think it was. Maybe it was a warm uh, Maybe it wasn't. We will never know. <laughs> uh, this is Darren Goff on Drive, who was looking ahead to Serbia's chances at the World Cup. And the Dana, Serbia and Montenegro national newspaper. The headline, injury, poor form and a terrible preparation. Serbia coach Randy Antic. <laughs> Randy Antic. I remember him in all the Carry On films. He was Serbia. of Randy Antic's. Carry On Serbia, that was the one, wasn't it, with Randy Antic. Uh, Peter Butterworth played him. <laughs> Here's newsreader Rick Kelsey. South Korea coach Hugh Jung Moo has included three British players in his 23-man squad. Really? Okay. Really? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> no idea. Over to, of course, here he is, Mike Parry now. Speed is the is the unique element that the boys got. That doesn't have to be used down the flanks. If Theo thought it wasn't, sorry, if Mr Capello thought it wasn't working down the flanks or whatever, that speed can be used through the middle like it was with T.R. Henry. But- T.R. Henry from the pavilion end. T.R. Henry, <laughs> slow left arm. <laughs> this is a quarter to drive. Who wasn't happy about England's World Cup squad? Why is he going to take some kids over to, um, you know, where they're going to play the World Cup at? Give me some names. Who, who, who are you thinking? Like young kids, not like old burnt out players, like all the defence and all that. Go on, give us some names. 
Well, who? I can't think of anyone. Oh, fair enough. Brilliant. He didn't even know the World Cup was in South Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Marvellous call. It was going well. Mm. Uh, Back to Alan Brazil now, having a disagreement with his co-host, Ronnie Irani. They could sell it 500 million tomorrow. 500 million. By Munich times three worth that. I'll get lost. Have a look yeah, on the German lost. stock exchange. Yeah, big, 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 big bit player. Bit, bit, you're right there, Al. <laughs> Bang him on the back. I don't, I don't gonna, understand that clip at all. He's going to keep saying <laughs> it. Yeah. Over to the callers again now, this time to Adrian Durham. Uh, Steve is an England fan in Worcester. Steve, be positive about England, please. All right, Steve, mate. Hello, Steve. <laughs> Hello, yeah, Steve. Yeah, oh, we had a, one of those. Yeah, yeah. You like those, Andy? Uh, this is the two mics, Parry and Graham, talking England. Uh, let's face it, Steve McLaren has rehabilitated himself. But the end yeah. of the Steve Good McLaren luck. era, at um, you know when he was a, thanks very much indeed, said when he was Cheers, the uh, the England manager, uh, the end of his era was ignominious. But it was what. Ignominious, but ignominious. Yes, it was. What the, what the heck does that mean? Well, go and look it up in a dictionary. Okay? You mean ignominious? That's exactly that what, what you I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, there it is. We heard that before. Um, <laughs> so what's next? It's uh, Mark Saggers, mm. who made it over to South Africa alongside European expert Guillaume Balaguer. The trees are wonderful, even though at this time of year, because we're right in the heart of winter, it is cool, Guillaume. At night, you'll need to take your shorts off uh, when oh, you have right. a wander around. Okay. Well, just, Fair enough. well, I don't know if the South African police would have said about that, Mark. You're going to get Guillaume in trouble. Um, what's next? It's a call. Yeah. That's a good clip, then. It's a caller to Alan Brazil. Ian's a Liverpool fan. Ian, who do you fancy, mate? Hi, guys. Um, personally, it's Goose Higgin all day for me. Goose Higgin? <laughs> Goose Higgin. Goose Higgin, yes. Uh, what a manager he was, old Goose Higgin. Uh, one last one from Mike Parry now, plotting England's route to the final. I mean, somebody was telling me, somebody knows a lot more about it than I do, that this is a more crucial game than even getting to the semi-final. Because if we get past the winner of that Germany-Siberia group... Wow. <laughs> They'll be playing Siberia away, yeah, they got frozen you? out, didn't they? I think, I think they probably <laughs> did. Here's another caller. But under the, under that, under the age, um, under that age, you, yeah. to get money, you would go and do a paper round or yeah. working out. So you knew what... The, um, you had to get money. Oh, hello. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> what happened there? Well, it's that thing that sometimes... We are, it sounds like he was adjusting himself. Yes. If you know what I mean. I do. Just at that point, he said... Money. Oh, yeah. I don't know what he got a bit caught up. Perhaps he's wearing those pants I had in Russia. Yeah, your Russian pants, quite possibly. <laughs> that you then kept. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> and finally, it's Darren Goff with news of a competition. This little red book is the definitive guide to the greatest football tournament on earth. It contains wild facts, insane stories, and surprising statistics that will keep you glued up all summer. Glued up. Being glued up all summer. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, great maybe idea. It, it, that would stop you concentrating <laughs> on the football, I suppose. That's really where we did in that competition. Anyway, there we are. There's some clips of the week pewter from uh, 2010. We'll try and dust off a few more next week. Now, uh, as you were hearing from Fletch in the bulletin there, uh, Steve Bruce, no longer the West Brom manager. Um, and we think, what next for Steve? Simon Jordan, quite forthright, thinking that could be it for Steve in the world of management in this country. Graham Soonis, mm. uh, you know, didn't agree. But, look, he has got another string through his bow, Steve, and that is the author of Fine Murder Mysteries. You may recall, uh, during lockdown, uh, we brought you Striker, narrated by Steve, Mm. uh, and it's a fantastic murder mystery, isn't it? Steve Barnes. 
yeah. at Leddersford Town. The People fiction got right site. into it. They certainly did. We it, wasn't, it was lockdown. <laughs> it was lockdown. We all went slightly do lally at that point. But, uh, yeah, people did get into it. Anyway, uh, we understand our sources, we are hearing, as Jim would say, mm. that Steve has gone back to work on a new Ooh, book. That's exciting. What about that? Um, and we can bring you a little excerpt. He's already working on the audio book, and we can bring you a little excerpt. <laughs> Before him finishing the yeah. book. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, Do doing them, he's doing them simultaneously. He writes a page Get them out down. together. <laughs> Let's give you a little flavour of uh, Steve Bruce's new book. Bright red blood on the knife blade. The knife in Ron Gourley's hand. Steve Barnes' dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. And to cap it all, that's when Tom Ross walks in for an interview for Talk Sport. I didn't do it, said Ron weakly. Hey, let me tell you, and England didn't win the World Cup in 66, you muppet. The game's gone, said Tom. And Tom then went back to his comfortable Jaguar F-Type with its cruise control, eight-speed flappy paddle gearbox and amazingly quiet diesel engine to ring the police. That's, I'll tell you what, it took me right back to lockdown. <laughs> I was sitting at home <laughs> on this tiny little table listening to... Oh, that was weird. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah the, 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 one, of the, one of the kind of tropes of, uh, of Steve Bruce's writing is very, very in-depth stuff about the car he drives. <laughs> yeah, right. Almost as if he's got a free car from a local garage <laughs> and he has to really talk up the model. I mean, I'm not suggesting that was the case, but no. he went into great detail about how fully loaded his Mercedes was at the time, or Steve Barnes's was. It was a tour de force anyway. dance. Is it still available? Does, is, am I right we have the whole lot. Yeah, it is, you can it? still find it as a whole podcast yeah. if you want to hear Striker by Steve Bruce in its entirety. Yeah. It's still it's still there. Go and check right. it out. I think it's still the pinned tweet at TSH and J. It's on the podcast feed. So, yeah. Um, anyway, thank you very much, Dan. Of course, that's the great Ian Danter uh, bringing us that with a bit of his Tom Ross as well. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. I'll do it all again with Charlie uh, tomorrow. Al Murray, the pub landlord among our guests, although he'll be talking about his new book on the Second World War. So wearing a very different hat or indeed blazer. Um, tomorrow so uh, Andy's back on Wednesday do hope you can join us for a bit of Champions League chat and lots more besides that's all from one if not podcast available around four you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on Talk Sport Hold up what was that boring no flavour that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.